Good evening. Welcome to Milkshake Monday. I am Anita Helm. I just wanted to say it's so good to be with each and every one of you all. I am so grateful to the Lord to let you all be here tonight. We have a lot of interesting things that are going to happen tonight. Now, I wanted to first remind you of the Let's Get Connected on October the 14th. We're looking forward to all of you being in prayer and helping us with that event uh, to help those who are not only homeless, but those who are struggling. Also, when I received this teaching, it's called The Encounter of Turning, and it's the story of Miriam. And I wanted to share that before I even knew about some of the events, uh, I, I knew last week about the famous and infamous mugshot of our former 45th president. I knew that was happening. But I did not know, you know, what we had as tragedies this past weekend where we lost people because of the color of their skin and hatred. But we also found a situation that even tonight we're learning about a shooting at a college and loss of life. And I just share with you that every week there's something going on where people are acting in a violent way to hurt and condemn and to just bring grief and tragedy one to another. And it's so awful. And part of what I'm going to be sharing tonight is information about where are we finding in the scriptures the heart of some of the things that we are experiencing regarding people hating one another, people despising one another to the point that they want to kill them, that they want to keep them in such an oppressive state. And I found that and I was going to teach that tonight and I plan to teach that tonight. So I just wanted to share um, that information. So I tell you that um, it seems almost as though I'm being repetitive is that each week there's something new going on. My camera is blurry, so I'm trying to clean it up for you guys. They're much better. But um, something is going on every week that it's some element of tragedy. And it's very unfortunate. And I know I'm not a pastor. I'm, a, I'm Anita. And someone I was talking to recently was talking about that you know I may have a persona when it comes to on camera. But guys, I'm just Anita. And I'm telling you, um, these things hurt. These things hurt when you find out that your family is going through a tragedy or friends and things are happening. And it's hard to watch the TV screen and see people and husbands and wives and family members and church members and just regular folks that's going through. Uh, and I just wanted to let you know that we should be praying and we should be encouraging and doing whatever we can to help these people. So tonight we're going to talk about Miriam and it's going to probably sound a little bit unique in the way that I'm going to talk about this. We're going to start out in Exodus chapter one because as we start to talk about people who are left and right and independent and, oh, I don't like this person. I don't like that person. I don't like these people because they're a certain color. I don't know what's going on with my camera. Faith, please come help me because my camera is so blurry. I can't even see myself. So anyway, we're having a situation where there's this us versus them. But I want to see in Exodus 1 where we have a situation where you're going to see pharaohs and a, a group of people who find themselves disliking people, not liking people at all to the point. We're going to have a little cleaning of our um, camera for a second again, because maybe I can see a little bit. 
Yes, much better. Thank you, Faith Elizabeth. Appreciate it. So we're going to start at Exodus chapter 1, verse 6. Exodus chapter 1, verse 6. It says, In time, Joseph and all of his brothers died, ending the entire generation. But their descendants, the Israelites, had many children and grandchildren. In fact, they multiplied so greatly that they became extremely powerful and filled the land. I want you to hear that word powerful because when you start to see the rest of these scriptures, there are going to be people in power, but they're going to fear one group because they're getting so big. And when I see some of the words that you see, why people don't like people of color, they've always tied it to the fact that there are a lot of people that are of color. And what happens if, for example, the white nationalists say the whites aren't enough and somehow there's going to be some uprising. I want you to see that same kind of thought pattern when it comes to what's happening to the nation of Israel. It says here, let's start at verse 8 of chapter 1 of Exodus. Eventually, a new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. He said to his people, look, the people of Israel now outnumber us and are stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. It makes me think about how some parties are saying, we got to redistrict. We got to make sure that we are going to do something to keep ourselves in power. Even though some of these discussions are behind the scenes, they're happening because there's this fear of us versus them. This is not new. This is in the Old Testament. If we don't, and if war, it says if war breaks out, they, us and they, they will join our enemies and fight against us. Then they will escape from the country. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. These people were free and they became slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. They forced them to build the cities of Python and Ramses as supply centers for the king. But look at this. The plan was it was going to keep them down. It was going to stop them from being powerful, stop them from multiplying. But it says, but the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread, and the more alarmed the Egyptians became. Do we see any similarity to what we see going on? It says here, so the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. They made their lives bitter, forcing them to mix mortar and make bricks and do all the work in the fields. They were ruthless in all their demands. They were making their lives bitter, they were making their lives full of work and bondage and slavery. And still that wasn't enough to put these people down. But then they go to this next level. They're doing all these horrible, brutal things of oppression. But now they're going to start to say, we're going to murder the boy child. We're going to every boy child that is born babe that's born out of the womb of a mother after her pregnancy. We're going to just kill them. And we're going to have a plot to let the midwives that birth the babies kill them. But then we're going to change it because that's not going to work out as planned. 
And then we're going to say to the people, Egyptians, when you see these babies, take them and, and put them in the river and let's just drown them that way. If we can't get it done by these midwives, we'll do it ourselves. The evilness of what's going on. It says, so, it says, then the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave this order to the Hebrew midwives. Shiprah and Puah. When you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, watch as they deliver. If the baby is a boy, kill him. They don't want the strength. They don't want the power. They don't want the ability for these boys to grow up to be a part of the army that would go against them. So they're saying, kill these boys, kill them. If it is a girl, let her live. But because the midwives feared God, they refused to obey the king's order. They allowed the boys to live too. Now, I'm not going to go on because of time. Fast forward to Exodus 2, where our main character for tonight is going to be. We always hear about Moses and Aaron, but I want to talk about Miriam. Because when we get to Numbers 12, it's going to say that Aaron and Miriam were talking. But I want you to see that there was an environment there that they were free at one time as a people, maybe not Miriam because of her age, but as a people, the nation of Israel was free and they became slaves. They became a us versus them. There was a jealousy. There was an envy. There was a, I'm afraid. That kind of nationalism crap that we see going on. But here you're going to see that this decree about the baby boys being killed is in effect. And Miriam is going to be the older sister of Moses. And her mom and dad have had a baby out of the marriage that is beyond them. So you have Miriam, Aaron, and you have a baby boy. And he's such a fashion, he's a good looking boy that they hide him for three months. But Miriam is going to have a key area that she's gonna be a part of the care of Moses as a baby, a watcher of Moses, and even she's going to instigate the ability for the princess that's gonna eventually adopt Moses to even go back to her mom, to allow her mom to nurse Moses. And you say, she's got an incredible story. Where's her turning? It's not yet. In a lot of people's lives, they have things that are wonderful in their stories, but something happens over time that there's a turning. And it's a turning that God sees and understands because he sees and hears everything. And what you're gonna see in these next passages is me showing you how the God of Almighty God, the Father, the Father of all of us, that he hears and he sees oppression. He hears and he sees the groanings, the moanings of Christ, and he even hears the complaining. And he sees the attitudes of us. And what I'm sharing with you about the encounter of turning is that I'm trying to share with you a, a warning, a caution to those of us who say that we love God. And we're in the midst of this situation now in this 2023 and beyond, where we have even believers who have this us versus them mentality to the point that they're willing to kill, oppress, be brutal, allow people's lives to be bitter because they take them from just seeing them as people to seeing them as inhumane. And you're just like, that can't be me. But how is it that we find even the sister of Moses going to be in a situation where she's doing all this wonderful thing for her baby brother. But by the time we get to Numbers 12, she's talking against Moses. Why? Because of who he's married. And some people postate and pontificate to say that it's because of the color of his skin of one of his wives. But he had two wives. 
Zipporah and this Ethiopian slave girl. But they were so disgusted, it seems, about this marriage that God has to take action against Miriam. So here we are, the birth of Moses in chapter 2. About this time, a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus, reeds, and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. The baby's sister, this is Miriam without being named, but the baby's sister then stood at a distance. She was watching, watching to see what would happen to him. Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to, the, to bathe in the river. Now, the edict from the Pharaoh is known. This is Pharaoh's, it says Pharaoh's daughter, so she's aware of what's going on. She knows as babies are floating, as babies are drowning, but in this case, she's going to see the baby and you're going to see that she says, this must be one of the Hebrew children. So it's not unaware to her that she's saving and possibly in the future, you're going to see adopting a child that's not an Egyptian, but a Hebrew. And who gives this child his name is not the mama and daddy. It's going to be Pharaoh's daughter. It says here, so soon Pharaoh's daughters came down to bathe in the river and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister, there's Miriam coming at the right time, at the right place. And she's got the right posture to offer up a solution for this princess. Then the baby sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Hebrew child, Hebrew mother. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl, this is Miriam, went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me. The princess told the baby's mother, I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Now you see what's going to happen. Later when the boy is older, his mother brought him back to the Pharaoh's daughter because any boy child was going to be in jeopardy. But being with the Pharaoh's daughter, he would be in safety. He would have his life changed from being a Hebrew slave to being in the palace with the Pharaoh's daughter. Miriam's baby brother was going to leave her house where mama had just been nursing her for him for a time and now he's going to move into a palace and not have the same interaction with his older sister. There wasn't a problem there. It got to be later when there was a problem for Miriam, but this is not where it is. It says here, who adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. Sister navigated all that. Mama, mama navigated all that. We're going to fast forward. Moses has grown. Moses has had the training inside the walls of Egypt to the point that when you see in the next few verses that people are going to think he's Egyptian, even though he, he's born a Hebrew, but he's being raised as an Egyptian, a princess daughters. I mean, that's, that's her son, right? Well, he's decided that he's going to act and he ends up killing an Egyptian. There's a fight and then he's going to be 
found out because the people that said, what are you going to kill us like you did the other Egyptian the other day? And he runs. So let's listen to this passage. It says, when he hears, it says in verse 14, the, the man replied, he's trying to stop a fight of his brethren, so to speak, who appointed, who appointed you to be our prince and judge? Are you going to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? Then Moses was afraid, thinking everybody knows what he did. And sure enough, Pharaoh heard what had happened and he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian. So Miriam has a brother that's in the palace a brother that now people know that he killed an Egyptian, a mother that, I mean, a brother that they know has an actual death warrant on his life and he's fled. She doesn't know where he's gone, but they say here, he went to live in the land of Midian. Brother is gone. Now in the midst of the brother being gone, some things are going to happen. You, you keep on reading for yourself. He's going to find himself in that land. He's going to help seven daughters He's going to find himself staying with Ruel, who is the father of these seven daughters. If you got seven daughters and you have the ability to let somebody move in with you, you're not poor. They're going to say he's the priest of Midian, so he's not poor, but he is going into the land of people of a different color, a different race. They're known to be people of Ishmael, Ishmaelites, even though they are Midian. They have darker skin. But he's going to marry one of those daughters, Zipporah. So let's jump down and go to verse 21. Moses accepted the invitation from Ruel, and he settled there with him in time. Ruel gave Moses his daughter, Zipporah, to be his wife. So he's got a wife, number one, that's Zipporah from this location of Midian. Later, she gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom. For he explained, I have been a foreigner in a foreign land. So he's a foreigner in a foreign land. They think he's Egyptian. He's really got the heritage of a Hebrew. Some people would say if you're light-skinned back in the day in the 50s and the 40s, some people passed. But in his case, they think he's Egyptian. He's flying, he's fleeing, and they think he's an Egyptian. But he's really of Hebrew descent. It says, years passed and the king of Egypt died. But the Israelites continued to groan under the burden of slavery. They cried out for help, and their cry rose to God. God hears and God sees. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He looked down on the people of Israel and knew it was time to act. Now, you've read the scriptures before. He's going to have the burning bush experience with Moses. He's going to tell Moses he needs to go back. But look in this passage, because I want you to keep hearing the words or seeing in the scriptures that God sees and God hears. Because as he's seeing in 2023, the hatred, the language, the deception, the lying, the planning, the plotting, all these things that we're saying it's all about politics. It's not about politics. It's about Ephesians 6. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities in high places. Wickedness is happening. It's not just happening, you think, in the White House. It's not just happening in the Capitol. It's happening in the states. It's happening in these boardrooms. It's happening all around. And we're starting to see evidence in video and audio. And people who are hearing video and audio are still saying, I don't believe my lying eyes. I don't believe my lying ears when people are being exposed. But here's the thing, 
We can think that a lot of people are getting away with whatever. This, these political terms that we hear on these different stations, depending on where you're tuning in. But God hears the truth. Whether we want to believe the truth when it's presented to us, God hears and sees the truth. And here's an example of how he hears. Go to Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. The Lord told him, talking about Moses, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of the suffering. So he sees, he hears, he's aware. And he understands what those cries of distress mean. And these people are his people. The people that we're saying are not worthy to be supported in whatever area of this country because they have the color of their skin is something that you find appalling. You find a fright. You find that there's too many of them. You find that they're too powerful. They have too many positions. They have too much money. All this stuff that we saw in Exodus 1, that level of behavior is happening now. And we want to make excuses for it, but the reality is fear and distrust of God and not understanding that it's not about the people that you see. It's about the demonic forces behind why you have that kind of a heart attitude that God hears and sees and knows that it leads to debauchery. It leads to slavery. It leads to injury. It leads to every week we see somebody depraved in their mind that they would go and look for people because of the color of their skin to murder them in broad daylight. It is infectious racism and nationalism and things about hatred and separation. It is infectious of demonic activity. And if we as Christian believers do not open our eyes and ask God for the truth, no man is a savior. Jesus Christ is the savior and he died for us. And God knows who's his and who's not his. In this scripture now, I want you to jump over to Exodus 5, verses 1 through 2, because there's attitudes even in power, where powerful people can say, there's nothing that can touch me. There's nothing that I need to give an account for, even to God. Who should I listen to? Why should I listen to God? Who is God? But we can have people who are so delusional to think that if this person, I even saw a poll that said that if people heard the truth, that they would not believe their family, and friends or their preachers in their houses of worship, they would only believe one person. That is deadly and dangerous because guess like Pharaoh, Pharaoh is going to say, who is God that I should obey him? You never want to follow anybody, red, blue, green, whatever the color, whatever the color of the person, whatever the color of the party, you never want to believe anybody greater than God and God's truth. It says here in verse one of Exodus five, they told him, meaning Moses and Aaron have gone to tell, tell the Pharaoh what God says. It says they told him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, let my people go so they may hold a festival and my honor in the wilderness. Is that so? Retorted Pharaoh. And who is the Lord? Why should I listen to him and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. 
But here's the thing about the encounter of turning. The Pharaoh's heart, God said he hardened Pharaoh's heart. He turned a heart that was already ambivalent to even being harder to get to the point that says, I don't know God and I don't care about God. Who is he? He's nobody to me. I'm in control. I have all power. And we know when we're going to see Miriam's song that he drowned in the Red Sea. But at this time, God is turning his heart hard. Pharaoh's heart was a tool of the Lord that he turned it hard. And guess what? As the Lord knows his divine plan and that he says he's not going to burn up this, this world with water again. We're not going to be flooded. He says it's going to be done by fire. Whatever is going to, to precipitate that happening, God knows it. We can't say, oh, we think it's going to be because of this, because of that. We think it's going to be when this. We only know that God, the Father, is going to make that decision. But he is turning hearts hard because there's evil here. There's evil. He says that the people are going to wax cold. Do you see the coldness of how the lies of the devil are penetrating? Exodus 6. Go to Exodus 6, verse 6. Therefore says, say to the people of Israel. Now we have the people of Israel. They're going to hear what the Lord says and they don't want to hear it. They're going to be in such discouragement and disappointment. They're not going to even want to believe what God says. And that's why it gets scary that people that don't even know the word of God and people that say, oh, I love the Lord, but I'm not going to listen to what his word says. Oh, I love the Lord, but I'm going to believe a politician over God. Oh, I love the Lord, but I can't stand those people that are brown and black and red and green. I can't stand them. Why? They're creatures of the Lord. Why would you think that God would want you to hate your brother? How can you say that you love God and you hate your brother? First John, the first John and those teachings are just as livid right now. They, they're living in each and every one of us, but we say we don't understand. But here it says in verse six, therefore say to the people of Israel in Exodus six, verse six, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression and will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who has freed you from your oppression in Egypt. I will bring you into the land I swore to give you, to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you as, a ver as your very own possession. I am the Lord. He didn't say that the politician red or blue was gonna free you. He said he, we need to be praying to God, praying to God. So Moses told the people of Israel what the Lord had said, but they refused to listen. They said they refused to listen anymore. They had become too discouraged by the brutality of their slavery. What? Are we so discouraged by what we're looking at this TV set? and the TV set is distorted, it doesn't matter what channel you're looking at, everybody has their own point of view, but you need to seek God. Now here we have Miriam, where does she have to do? Miriam's going, Miriam's going through slavery, she's going through hearing her brothers appeal to the Pharaoh, they're getting more and more harsh tasks. You, you've seen that with all the different things that went on with the 10 plagues, but then there's freedom. God releases them, they're free, you know what happens, the Red Sea. She comes up at this point of Exodus chapter 15. She's doing a song. And in the song, she has these wonderful lyrics of praise and glory to the Lord. We know Miriam's song. Let everybody sing in it. It's interesting that in the scriptures I just read, it talked about the Lord freeing them. 
she's singing about the Lord freeing them and how God, I'll, I'm just going to read verse seven and verse 12 of that. Read that whole passage of 15. But it says, in the greatness of your majesty, talking about the Lord, you threw down those who oppressed, opposed us, opposed him, opposed you is what it says. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. She understands the power of God. She understands that God heard their their actual pleas. She understands that after decades and centuries, he's come to free them of the slavery. So it's not that Miriam didn't understand God and his power. She saw the 10 plagues. She saw them being released. She saw the Red Sea. She's singing about this masterpiece. And even verse 12 of Exodus 15, you stretch out your right hand and the earth swallows your enemies. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. Keep on reading. What is going on to turn Miriam? It's not just Miriam, it's Aaron and Miriam. By the time we get over to Numbers 12, a lot of stuff has happened. We've had all of Exodus. Now we're in Numbers. We've gone through 11 chapters of Numbers and then we get to 12. And in 11 chapters, they were complaining. We're only eating manna. We're sick of manna. We need some meat. And God's going to bless them to have the wind blow and there's going to be quail and they're going to get so sick and a lot of them are going to die of the plague of this plague because he's heard their complaining. He listens to us talk. He listens to our complaints. And so in the beginning of Numbers 12, when it says Miriam and Aaron had been talking, it just wasn't a five minute talk. It wasn't a one day talk. They had been talking because what was happening as you started to see the people complaining, God doesn't like complaining, but then they are doing something a little notch different because it's the brother and sister who's close to Moses, who's close to the man of God, who's having conversation with the Lord. They're, they're brothers and sisters and they're talking about the complaints about who Moses has married. They're not saying it's Zipporah from Midian who has the two sons. Now, he happened to marry a Ethiopian slave girl. So some people say, that it was the Cushite woman. Was it the Cushite woman from the Midian? And it was Zipporah or was it somebody else? I'm not, I'm not a theologian, but I'm saying we already know that Zipporah from the beginning of Exodus was his wife with two sons. And she's a woman of color from the Ishmaelite clan. So if there is another wife, we just know that they're referencing this woman as the Cushite. And they say Cushite means dark skin, African descent kind of thing why there's a concern but here's the here's the irony the us versus them they were free and then there was a pharaoh that did not know joseph and they decided as a people he as a leader decided to have them put into slavery they were slaves and now she's looking below and beneath because her brother married a kushite woman a foreign woman could be a slave woman. I don't know what the issue was, but she was having a problem and they were having a problem. But here it was that God cursed her. And God's going to say something as I read this to show you that God, even when Moses appeals to him, God will relent and let the leprosy that Miriam is going to get. But he says, even if a father spits in the face of his daughter, that means disdain. Somebody's done something really bad. She has to be put out for seven days. God is not letting this insult that's happening with this division, this separatist, this nationalism, this, uh, that person's not good enough. 
They're looking down on the inferiority. How could he? Doesn't he know that we're better than that? Doesn't he know that our nation, I don't know what the premise of what was going on, but it, share, it shows us in Numbers 12, there was a turning that Miriam and Aaron had turned their attitudes, their dispositions, their understanding, their everything about the woman was the cause of why they wanted to go against their brother to the point that they're saying, is he the only one that can hear from God? A mutiny. A mutiny because they're, they're so upset about the marriage, the connection, the love, the bonding. They couldn't stand it. Just like those Egyptians couldn't stand the nation of Israel. They are too powerful. They're multiplying. They're spreading. They're going to come against us. What does this mean with him having this marriage with this Cushite woman, this Cushite? as though it's despicable, and it's brought them to where we are in Numbers 12. Verse 1 of Numbers 12, Miriam and Aaron began, this is a process of time, began to talk. They're beginning to talk. They began to talk. It wasn't a one time. They began to talk against Moses, their own brother. Family will talk about you. Don't be surprised. It's all in the Bible. They began to talk against Moses because they don't even leave it to chance of why they were talking about him. They know he's talking to God, but now they have the audacity after God just did a plague in Numbers 11 because he didn't like that complaining. But now they're going to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife. For he had married a Cushite. Has the Lord spoken only, and here's the talking, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Aaron, it, I think that you got a pretty good mouth. You did pretty good with the Pharaoh. Has the Lord only talked through Moses? Is he the only one that we can talk? Because you know he can talk good and you don't got no Cushite wife. Y'all that Cushite wife, you don't have one of them. You don't have one of them people. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked? Hasn't he also spoken through us? Not even Aaron. Now she's part of us. He's spoken to us. I've been telling the people. I've been talking to them. They can, they listen to me as much as they listen to Moses. It, like, it sounds like a church split. Here it happened, doesn't it? And the Lord heard this. And the Lord heard this. What's the Lord hearing in your house? What's the Lord hearing behind the closed doors of your scheming? What's the Lord hearing with your us versus them? What's your what's the Lord Almighty hearing and seeing that now we're being having the opportunity to be found out of some of this dirt? Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. At once, I love it. God don't play. God don't take time to to let things fester. At once, the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, all three of them. He said, all three of y'all come to the tent of meeting. All three of you all come. But you know who we heard in verse 1 and 2, right? At once, the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, come out to the tent of meeting. All three of you. So the three of them went out. Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud. 
he stood at the entrance to the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. When the two of them stepped forward, he said, listen to my words. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams, but this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him, I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Big caps, big stop. Now we're going to get serious. Straighten up, straighten up. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? The anger of the Lord burned against them and he left them. He said that question and he left them. But here's the result of what he had already heard in the very beginning of them beginning to speak against Moses about that Cushite wife. He said, why, why, why were you not afraid? Remember when David would not touch Saul? I'm not gonna touch the Lord's anointed. Saul was a king, but Moses is the man of God that's going before the Lord and taking the people out and was called to do this very feat. And his brother and sister, thought it was okay to start talking trash. It says, when the cloud lifted from above the tent, remember he came down, Miriam's skin was leprous. Didn't say Aaron's skin, it says Miriam's skin was leprous. He was angry and burning against them, but it was Miriam that her skin was leprous. It was the Miriam that God used to allow Moses to be watched, to allow his plan of God, the divine plan for Moses to be watched, for her to intercede and talk to the princess, for her to bring up the idea to have a nursing uh, be brought. All this stuff happening. And now we're at the point that she's gotten so full of herself and this attitude has turned to the point that she wants to talk against her brother, that she wants to complain against his wife. And she wants to do it in the hearing of an almighty God that she understands his power because she sang about it. Wasn't that she didn't know? She did a whole song about it in Exodus 15. But her skin turned leprous. It became as white as snow. And some people say because of the dark skin of the woman, she couldn't stand and was thinking that she was inferior, that her own skin turned white as a contrast. Aaron turned toward her and saw that she had a defiling skin disease. See, he was from the, the house of Levi. He was a priest. You understand to, to actually turn him lepers was a big deal because everybody, he's from the Levi, he's a priest, but they turned hers. It says, and he said to Moses, the Moses that he was just with his sister talking against saying that they got a mouth, they could talk, you know, he's talking to Moses now because he sees God was upset. Burning with anger is what it said. He said to Moses, please look at the word, my Lord. Not the bro that he and his sister were talking about, but my Lord, I asked you not to hold against us. Us don't have leprosy, Miriam does. But don't hold against us the sin we have so foolishly committed. Moses heard from God about the talking behind his back. Moses saw that God got angry and turned 
leprosy on his sister. And now brother man, Aaron is saying, please don't hold it against us that we sin. We have so foolishly committed this. Do not let her be like a stillborn infant coming from its mother's womb and its flesh with its flesh half eaten away. Moses, this, they were just saying he's the most humble man and he loves his sister and brother, even though they were plotting against him. They were maneuvering to up, up what, usurp, insurrection, whatever word you want to say, mutiny. They were trying to say we don't need him because of his wife choices. But Moses is a humble man. So Moses cried out to the Lord, please, God, heal her, my sister, my sister who's had an encounter of turning against me. I'm praying, God, that you will have mercy. Turn away your wrath, God, against her and have mercy on her who did not have mercy on Moses because of his marital choices. Brother and sister didn't have that kind of mercy. They were turning against him. But now she's been turned, her flesh is leprous, and now he's having mercy to say, Lord, please relent. Have mercy. Please heal her. Please turn that flesh back. But God is going to do and answer Moses, but not before he makes it totally clear what he just said. You should have been afraid, and he was angry, because it's not. it wasn't their place. And a lot of people in this country are thinking it's their place to tell people that God has allowed to be created that they don't belong. They're not good enough. They're inferior. They should be slaves. They should be the under. We should be the superior. We're the best. We deserve to kill you because we don't like the way you look on the outside. And some people say they love Jesus Christ and they want that garbage and God does not like or have that respect of person. He says it's not his will that any should perish. And he didn't say any white, any black, any yellow, any blue. He said it's not his will that any should perish. It says that God so loved the world. He didn't say the United States. He said for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, and that whosoever didn't have a black, white, yellow, green on it. It says here, please God, heal her. The Lord replied to Moses, if her father had spit in her face, which you know they spit in Jesus' face, right? Would she not have been in disgrace for seven days? She has disgraced the almighty God by first talking about his servant Moses, talking about the subject of what she, they have a disdain for, the Cushite wife, the inferiority, the whole situation is separate of us and they. He is disgraced. It's not a reflection of who he is as God almighty. And he gives this example if, his, if her father is spit in her face. She'd be out for seven days in disgrace. It says, confine her outside the camp for seven days. Miriam, this turn, I'm just like uh, Jonah. Yeah, you can get out of the belly and fix, but your attitude's still right. He's going to make sure as you're dealing with this leprosy that he is planning to heal, you're still going to be disgraced outside the camp. Because I want you to understand that you have offended him. He is angry that you weren't afraid to talk against Moses. In his earsight, what can God not hear or see from any of us 
that we think we're plotting and planning and, oh, we're going to get away with it. There is no one that's going to get away ultimately from what God sees and hears. I don't care what politician. I don't care what how money you have, what power you think you have. Even Satan knows that he's going to give an account for his trying to rebel against God and God casting him down here. But ultimately, he's going to be cast into the lake of fire. You're not going to get away with anything when it comes to the Lord God Almighty. You may think it in this world. You got away with everything. It's not going to happen. That's why God says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent all of us because all of us has fallen short of the glory of God. But we have to come before the Lord and say, forgive us. Wash us away with the blood of the lamb. Confine her outside the camp for seven days. After that, she can be brought back. So Miriam was confined outside the camp for seven days. And the people did not move on until she was brought back. And you better believe she was coming back humbled. Her turn had to be in humility, in disgrace, but she had to come back in humility. And everybody knew she was put out. And you better believe Maldi Lips knew exactly that she had something go down and God sent her out. She was big woman on campus for a while until God showed her, no, you never that big that you're going to go against me or my servant. And you should have known better. You're writing songs. You should have known better. Your encounter with turning, and some of us, our encounter with turning happens slowly. It's a slow turn. And sometimes we find ourselves in this venomous, evil attitude and behavior and thinking of these people as lesser. They're not even worthy to even get your looks, get your help, get your piece of bread and your water. Who are they? You better be careful because God sees and he hears. And those that say that we love God, we better know what we're saying and doing because God is going to ask us to give an account. And I'm sure Miriam and Aaron didn't think it was going to go down that way, but they didn't understand who they were dealing with with God. He's not a respective person, but he does take care of things at once. Now, I wanted to share for those who stayed till the end that on this Sunday morning, there is going to be virtual church, online church for Resurrection Baptist Church. Pastor Michael Watts is going on vacation and he's asked me to uh, cover the church school where we'll be going and teaching about 2 Corinthians uh, 12, chapter 12, and also for me to actually speak for the 11 a.m. worship service. So for those who are going to participate for the church school, we rarely publicize, at least for my Milkshake Monday, that we have an actual teleconference line. But we were going to have the teleconference line for the church school, and that's going to be publicized on Resurrection Baptist site, as well as I will publish it on the Four Doe site for that Sunday, so you know what number to call, because I don't normally like everybody to call on my teleconference line because of the, the sound, but for Sunday morning for church school, I do want to be able to hear people ask questions as I teach, so that line is going to be open for anyone who wants to call in. We will have the Facebook uh, live as well as the YouTube live on Fordo's production for that Sunday morning. And that'll start at approximately 945 and go to 1045, be like a 15 minute break. And then we'll have the 11 a.m. service where we'll come back on and we'll have the 11 a.m. service uh, about love that lasts. So I thank you. I thank you. And we always say the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Let's pray to the Lord of the harvest that we would have more laborers in the vineyard because 
People need to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are the mouthpieces and the ambassadors of Christ. I love you. And Lord willing, I will see those of you joining on Sunday. And for the rest of you who cannot attend on Sunday, the videos will be available. But I love to see you next Monday night. God bless you.